Welcome to the Celebration Church podcast and thanks so much for tuning in. Celebration Church is one church in 10 locations across Southeast Louisiana. We are all about changing lives, homes, our city, and the world through Jesus Christ. We hope that you're both encouraged and challenged by today's message. I want to join Stephen and welcome you to Celebration Online. I want to tell you that we're not only glad that you are attending here with us, but we also want you to know that we care about you. We care about your spiritual development. We care about your physical needs. And so if there are any ways that we can pray for you or help you or assist you, please let us know. Pastor Stephen let you know how you can do that at the end of today's service. Today I want you to take your Bible, a Bible app, and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke and the 16th chapter. Uh, while you're doing that, let me ask you a question. Uh, what would you like to change about the people around you? Are there people around you that you would like to change? You would like to see them change? Maybe your neighbors or your coworkers or maybe even family members, maybe even the people that you live with. One woman said to me one time, Pastor Dennis, could you please pray for my husband to change? I asked her, what do you want to change about him? She said, well, he's too temperamental. I asked her, what do you mean by that? She said he's 90% temper and 10% mental. I know a lot of people who are like that. But the truth of the matter is, we can't change anybody else. Change starts within ourselves. We've got to focus on ourselves. And so that's what we've been doing in our Transform series. Our theme verse has been Romans chapter 2, 12, verse 2, which says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. So we've been learning about how to change our spiritual health, our physical health, our mental health, our relational health, and our emotional health. And today we're going to learn how God wants to work with us to transform and change our financial health. Now, a lot of people don't like to talk about finances, but I want you to know Jesus actually talks more about finances in the Gospels than he did about heaven and hell. In fact, 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus told were directly about the usage of money. In fact, one-six of the verses in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke are just about how to handle money. Why, why did God spend so much time? Why did Jesus, the Son of God, spend so much time talking about money? Because, uh, because money can impact our lives in so many ways for good or for bad. Money can be used for great things, for good things, for positive things, but it can also be utilized for bad things, for negative things. We spend so much of our time thinking about money and working for money and earning money and, and studying money and investing money and, 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 and doing all kinds of things with money. And here's what I've learned. If you don't learn how to manage your money, you're going to wind up living a miserable life. So one of the keys to transforming your life is transforming the ways that we look at and that we handle the monies that have been entrusted to us. We want to learn about that today from a unique parable that was told by Jesus. In fact, it's probably uh, the most uh, misunderstood parable told by Jesus in the entire Bible. Here's what we read in, in Luke chapter 16 of the parable of the dishonest or shrewd manager. The Bible says in Luke 16 verse 1, Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, What's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you're going to be fired. Well, the manager thought to himself, Now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches. I'm too proud to beg. Uh, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. So he invited each person who owed money to the employer to come and discuss their situation with him. He asked the first one, how much did he owe him? And the man said, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat was the reply. Here the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. Now the rich 
man found out what was happening, but he had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true, Jesus said, that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the light. Here's the lesson Jesus said, use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then whenever your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. If you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're honest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and still be enslaved to money. Man, what a strange story that was that Jesus told. It's important, however, to note several things about this story to understand why Jesus was telling this story like he was telling it. To begin with, in Luke 16, Jesus is not praising the dishonest manager's actions, but he's praising his shrewdness and teaching us that we can learn from all kinds of people. We can learn from honest people. We can learn from dishonest people. We can learn from good people or bad people. Christian people or non-Christian people, we can learn from all kinds of people. There are three things I want you to notice that Jesus really pointed out in this story as we begin. First of all, we need to understand that Jesus is telling this story to the Pharisees. Who were the Pharisees? They were the Jewish religious leaders of their day. They're the most learned and knowledgeable and most moral people of their day. But they struggled greatly with pride. Pride was a big issue in their lives. And because of that, Jesus was always pushing back against them. Let me ask you, do you ever struggle with pride? One time a woman said to the American humorist, Will Rogers, I got a big struggle with pride. He asked her, why are you so prideful? She said, because I'm always thinking about how beautiful I am. And he said to her, ma'am, that's not pride, that's a mistake. Well, the Bible teaches that it's always a mistake to struggle with pride. And, and, and the Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so Jesus was always pushing back against the Pharisees. Also, Jesus knew that the Pharisees loved money. That's why he tells a shocking story. And that's why he makes the crook in the story a hero. Look at this verse, it's a, verses that follow the story we just read. And the Bible says the Pharisees dearly loved money. So when they heard what Jesus said, they made fun of him. But Jesus told them, you're always making yourselves look good, but God sees what's in your heart. The things that most people think are important are worthless as far as God is concerned. Now think about that last phrase. The things that most people think are important are worthless as far as God is concerned. What do most people think are important? Possessions and pleasure and other people, and popularity, and, and sex, and salaries, and, and all, kinds of, uh, all kinds of things. Were, but the Bible says God doesn't think those things are that important. And so we need to understand that as well. And the third thing, the reason Jesus told this story is because he knew that many of his followers would not be good money managers. Let me tell you, many of the people I know, and many of the people you know, and maybe even yourself, are not good money managers. They have no emergency savings saved up for an emergency. They have little or no retirement saved up. They don't live by a budget uh, with their daily financial finances. Some of you might be asking, what's a budget? Well, a budget is simply planned spending. It's telling your money where you want it to go rather than wondering where it went. If you don't live by a budget, uh, you're not a good manager of your money. Uh, some people are living from hand to mouth. In fact, they're living beyond their means. Now, Jesus uh, has some things to say to us about that because he doesn't want us to live beyond our means. This message today is not a message about giving. It's not a message about tithing, but it's a message about managing our money. Because if we don't learn how to manage the money that God has entrusted to us, we're going to wind up living miserable and defeated lives. Did you know that the number one cause of stress and anxiety in the world today is, this, is money or a lack of money? Did you know the number one cause of divorce today is money or a lack of money or struggles with money? 
So God wants us to learn how to manage our money. Most of the people in our day and time think that having money is really important, but Jesus was teaching in this parable that what we do with our money is most important. So today we want to look at four things that we don't want to do with our money and five things that we do need to do with our money if we're going to be good stewards, good managers in the kingdom of God. So let's look at the first question. What, to, what are some things that we have to refrain from in regards to handling money? Here are four things not to do. First of all, Jesus teaches us in this parable to daily refrain from wasting money, to not waste money. He said one day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. Now, the man in the story was a manager. And the Bible says you and I are managers. We're not owners of all that we have. We're managers of all that we have. Let me ask you, has anybody uh, ever wasted any money before? I'm sure that we all have. We've all bought things we didn't need with money we didn't have to impress people we didn't even like. We've all done that. We've all wasted money. Now, if we waste a little bit of our money, that's one thing. But the Bible says we're managers of God's money. And so we don't want, certainly don't want to be wasting his money. Also, Jesus teaches us this parable uh, today to refrain from uh, living to have money. At the end, in verse 13, Jesus said, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and still be enslaved to money. Why did Jesus say that? Because it's impossible to have a divided allegiance to two masters in our lives. Have you ever tried to work for two bosses? How'd that work out for you? Probably not so well. In the same way, our master is to be the Lord, but many people make their master their money or their desire for money or the money that they have in their lives. We got to choose who's going to be number one in our lives. We can't have two number ones in our lives. We can't say, we can't say, well, I'm, uh, we can't say my number one goal in life is to make a lot of money and my number one goal in life is to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. The question is, is God going to be number one in your life? Was your pursuit of money and possessions and, and, and your fulfillment of your career going to be number one in your life? Jesus also teaches us in this parable to daily refrain from trusting money for our security. Uh, the Bible says in Luke 16, 3, that the manager in our story lost his job. Now, I'm sure many of you know what it means to lose a job, to be out of work. Now, all of a sudden, you've got no source of security in your life. I've said many times, never put your security into anything or anyone that can be taken from you. Don't do that. If you put your security in your appearance and how you look, I just, I hate to tell you this, but you're not always going to look as sexy as you look right now. If you put your security in your health, you can lose your health in an instant. One day leaving church, I was in an accident. All of a sudden, I lost my health for a period of time. It didn't ha I didn't expect it. It just happened. If you put your security uh, in your in your uh, job, you can lose your job. If you put your security in your marriage, you can lose your marriage. If you put your security in a loved one, you can lose a loved one. If you put your security in a bank account, there's a thousand ways you can lose your money. We want security in our lives. Our lives have to be based on something or someone that can never be taken from us. And there's only one thing we can never lose. It's our relationship with God and His love for us. Because God's love is unconditional. And we're always going to be able to have a relationship with Him. So build your life on God's love for you and on that relationship. Don't waste money. Don't love money. And certainly don't trust in money because you can lose it very, very fast in your life. In fact, uh, probably losing money is the easiest way we can lose things in our lives. I had a friend one time lost $600,000 in one day in the stock market. I'm telling you, you can lose it real fast. Somebody said money talks. but I, I have a better way of saying that money walks. 
And sometimes it walks away before we even know that, know that it's gone. In fact, the Bible says that money even flies. It says in Proverbs 23, verse 5, Your money can be gone in a flash as if it had grown wings and flown away like an eagle. All of a sudden, money can just be out of our lives. By the way, the United States government is so polite and helpful in this. They put an eagle on every dollar to remind us that money can fly away in an instant like an eagle. So every time you look at a dollar, just saying, I'm not going to be holding on this very long. It's going to walk away. It's going to fly away. It's going to go away. So you got to learn how to not trust in money. And then number four, Jesus teaches us in this parable uh, to daily refrain from expecting money to bring us satisfaction in life. If you think that money will make you more happy and more secure, more valuable, more important, let me tell you, you are fiercely misguided because it's not going to satisfy. In fact, here's what I've discovered. The more we have, the more we want. And the most miserable people I know in my life are oftentimes the people with the most money in their bank accounts. Here's what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10. Solomon said, whoever loves money will never have enough. And whoever loves wealth will never be satisfied with his income. That verse reminds us that we must understand that our self-worth is not determined by our net worth. Jesus said in Luke 12, 15, guard against all kinds of greed because your life is not measured by how much you own. And let me say it again, your self-worth is not uh, has no connection with your net worth. Your valuables don't determine how valuable you are in life, your value in life. So, so don't, think, uh, don't think, well, I have a lot, so I'm worth a lot. No, you're not. You're worth a lot simply because God created you. God loves you. He saved you. He welcomed you to his family. He has great plans and purposes for you. But don't waste money. Don't live for money. Don't trust in money. And don't expect money to bring you satisfaction in your life. So what do we remember? in regards to handling money. That's what Jesus is really getting at in this parable. Five things I want you to learn from this story. First of all, Jesus teaches us in this parable to daily remember that all of our money belongs to God. 100% of our money belongs to God. The Bible tells us, and Jesus tells us in Luke 16, 1, that the rich man had a manager who was handling his affairs. And, and what we are, we are managers like that manager. We don't own what we have. What we have has been loaned to us by God to utilize for a certain period of time. And by the way, if you're a Christian, all the money you have, 100% of the money you have belongs to the Lord. Not just 10%, but 100%. Now, the first 10%, we're supposed to return to the Lord, get back to Him through our church. Deuteronomy 14, 23 says the purpose of tithing is to remind ourselves to always put God first in our life. But the truth of the matter is, God owns everything that we have if we're followers of Jesus Christ. By the way, you don't own what you have before you were born. You're not going to own it after you die. God just loans it to you for 60 or 70 or 80 or 90 years so you can best utilize it for His kingdom's work. You've got to use it while you're alive, but we don't really own anything. We need to constantly remind ourselves that we really don't anything, that we are simply managers of what God has entrusted to us in our lives. Everything we have is a gift from God. We'd have nothing in our lives if it weren't for God. You wouldn't, couldn't take your take next breath if it wasn't for God. And some of you are thinking, well, I work with my hands to get what I got. Now, who gave you those hands? It was God. So understanding that what we have at this time belongs to the Lord helps us to, helps us to not worry as much as, uh, much as about what we have or don't have. I mean, uh, after the service, you may get something to eat. 
and you may get out your dishes and provide. You need to remember that the dishes you have are God's dishes. You may look around the home that you're living in and think, well, I've got a beautiful home, but if you're a Christian, that home belongs to the Lord. Uh, you may get in your car somewhere to go somewhere today, and, but let me tell you, it, it, that car belongs to the Lord. Some of you are thinking, well, God needs a better car. He may, maybe that's true, but everything you have belongs to the Lord. And when you get that concept in your mind, it keeps you from worrying or stressing about, about what money you do have or what money you don't have in your life. I remember after Hurricane Katrina in 2005, our church had two campuses at that time, and both of the campuses had been flooded by the waters of Katrina. We had the highest amount of flood insurance recommended to us, which was $1.5 million, but we had over $15 million worth of damage. I remember that first service. I got up before the people, and I said, we got a lot of problems. We, we don't have enough insurance to rebuild, but, but, but the truth of the matter is we don't have any problems because this church belongs to God, and he's big enough to take care of these problems, and he certainly was in our case. When you understand everything you have belongs to the Lord, that you don't have to work, you don't have to worry about it. It belongs to the Lord. It's going to take a lot of stress and anxiety from your life. Now, Jesus said the manager, the owner enlisted a manager to take care of his property. So let me ask you a question: How are you doing with handling God's property? How are you doing with keeping your house up to date? How are you doing with keeping your car going? How are you doing with dressing properly? How are you doing with taking care of your mind and your talents and your body? What are you doing with what God has given to you? The question we need to be asking ourselves is, how am I taking care of the body and blessings that God has currently entrusted to me in my life? Here's another thing Jesus teaches us in this parable, that God uses the money we have to test us. He's always using our money to test us. Now, God doesn't just automatically give his blessings to anybody. He first tests us to see if we're going to be responsible with what he has blessed us with, if we can handle it. See, God wants to give us all kind of spiritual authority and abilities and, and all kind of spiritual anointing in our life, uh, but he doesn't just give it to anybody. He tests us, and one of the ways he tests us is how it, by seeing how we handle our material possessions. And God says, if I can trust you with material possessions... I can trust you with spiritual power, but if you're not even managing your money well, how can I trust you with spiritual power and anointing and ability in your life? God grants us blessings to see how we do with them and to determine if we can handle even more blessings in our lives. Now, he tests us in three ways with finance. First of all, the way we handle money demonstrates what or who we love the most in our lives. How we spend our money reveals to God and to others what or who we love the most in our lives. I have a lot of people tell me, but Pastor, I love God. But let me tell you, I can tell how much you love God by just looking at your calendar or just by looking at your credit card statement. Because what you spend your time doing and what you spend your money on is indicative of who or what you love the most in your life. In fact, I look at your credit card statement, I discover uh, some, for some of you, what you really love is going out to eat. Or what you really love is buying new clothes. Or what you really love is uh, your electronic gadgets. Or what you really love are your video games or something like that. Uh, who you, what you spend your money on or who you spend your money on or what you spend your time doing is indicative of who or what you really love in your life. And Jesus said we're to love God more than anyone else or anything else in our lives. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, don't store up treasures here on earth. Instead, store up your treasures in heaven for wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Also, the way we handle money uh, demonstrates what or who we trust in our lives. It shows what or who we have faith in. Are we trusting in our money for security or are we trusting in God for security? Are we trusting in our money for happiness 
Or are we trusting in God for our happiness? Are we trusting in our money to make us feel better about ourselves? Or are we trusting in God to make us feel better about ourselves? What we're spending our time and money on demonstrates who or what uh, we trust in the most. It says in Proverbs eleven twenty eight, if you trust in your money, you'll fall. But if you trust in God, you'll flourish like a green tree. And then thirdly, the way we handle money demonstrates whether or not God can trust us. Not just whether or not we're trusting in God, but whether or not God can trust us. Look at what Jesus said in, again in verses 11 and 12. He says, if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? Now, these verses are two of the most important verses in the Bible. When I finally understood the meaning of this verse, I'm telling you, it transformed my life. And it transformed how I looked at money. And it transformed my plans to, uh, in regards to what I was going to do with money. Jesus says, if you're not a good manager, if you're spending more than you make, if you're not saving for the future, if you're not investing, if you're not working hard, if, if you're not really good at managing your money, who's going to trust you with real spiritual riches in your life? Who's going to trust you with more ability and more power and more anointing in your life? He says, God, God is testing us to see whether or not he can trust us with even more in every area of our lives. Now, suppose you were the child of the richest man on the planet. It might be Bill Gates. That might be the uh, owner of Amazon. That may be Warren Buffett. I don't know who that is. The wealthiest man on the planet. And the wealthy, and your father comes to you and says, listen, one day all that I have will belong to you. But I got to see if you can manage it well. So I'm going to just give you a little bit. I'm going to let you have a little bit. I want to see what you do with that money. I want to see how you manage it, how you take care of it, how you invest it, that sort of thing. And that will determine whether or not at, at the end of my life, I'm going to give you everything we have. Well, Jesus is saying the same thing. He says how we handle money determines how much God can bless our lives. There's a direct correlation between spiritual power and how we handle our possessions, between God's blessings in our lives and what we do with our money. Here's another thing. Jesus teaches us in this parable today to remember that money is a tool to be used for God's purposes. You say, what do you mean money is a tool? Doesn't the Bible say that money is evil? No, the Bible doesn't say money is evil. It says the love of money is evil. Money is neither good nor bad, right or wrong. It can be used to build great churches. It can be used to buy illicit drugs. Uh, it's not it's just a tool. We need to, and we need to use money the way the Lord wants us to use money. That's what Jesus said in Luke 16, 9. Use your worldly resources to benefit others. Not just to benefit ourselves. Not just to bless ourselves, but to benefit others as well. You see, the Bible says <clears throat> the way that we love people and the way we demonstrate our love towards other people is through our giving. Now, the problem is everybody gets that reverse. Uh, people say, well, I love people. Uh, well, the Bible says we're to love people and use money. But what happens is a lot of people start uh, winding up loving money and using people. And if you start loving money, you're going to start using people. God says that's bad. Money is a tool to be used for God's purposes. We're to, we're to use it. We're not to hoard it. We're not to stockpile it. We're not just to use it on ourselves. We're, we're to utilize it to help other people, taking care of other people's needs, supporting the work of God, being a blessing to other people, all kinds of things. We're to use our money to be a blessing to God and to be a blessing to others. Also, Jesus teaches us in this parable that the best use for money is to use it to get people into heaven. He said in verse 9, use your worldly resources to benefit others and to make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you. Those friends will welcome you to an eternal home. He's talking here about heaven. 
He says, just like this dishonest guy made friends that he could count on later on, you and I need to utilize our money to make some spiritual friends that we're going to spend time with for all eternity. We're going to spend time with in heaven. And now he's not saying here that you can buy your way into heaven because you can't. That price has already been paid by Jesus on the cross of Calvary. You can't purchase your salvation as free as a gift from God. We can't buy our way into heaven, but we can invest in heaven by using the money we we're using the money we're overseeing to help other people get into heaven. He's saying use your money and your relationships and your time and your abilities to help other people come to know the Lord, begin to walk in the Lord, become disciples of the Lord. And then one day when you get to heaven, there'll be thousands, maybe tens of thousands, maybe more people who'll be there to welcome you and greet you and say, thank God that you gave. Thank God that you served. Thank God that you lived for the Lord. Thank God that you shared your testimony. Thank God for all that you did. We're here in heaven. We're going to spend the rest of eternity rejoicing because you were a giver to help others and to support the work of the Lord. Let me ask you, are you using your money for that kind of thing? To be a blessing to God and a blessing to others and to help others come into the kingdom. Um, I was uh, in Costa Rica not long ago. Uh, We've done a lot of ministry work in Costa Rica. I was there training a group of pastors. And I met this guy, this pastor, from my perspective, I'd never met. I introduced myself to him. He said, I know who you are. I said, how, I said to a translator, I know who you are. I said, how do you know who I am? He said, back in 1997, you were here in Turiaba, Costa Rica, and you were preaching a crusade in the stadium downtown. And I said, that's right. We spent a lot of money on that crusade there. He said, on, one day on the way to the crusade, you, uh, you were walking through the Central Park and you saw a drunk lying on the ground. And you stopped for a few moments and you helped that drunk up and you went and bought that drunk a cup of coffee so he could recover uh, from being so drunk. And you sat there and told him about the Lord and invited him to come to the crusade later that night. I said, man, how did you know that? He said, well, that drunk went to the crusade that night and when you extended the altar call for people to come to faith in Christ, he responded to the altar call, gave his life to Jesus. Uh, Later on, he was followed up on by church and they brought him into their fellowship, into their membership. He was discipled in that church. He was trained to be a leader in that church and eventually that church sent him out to be a pastor of another church and now he is the pastor of a large network of pastors and you're looking at that man. You see, that investment we made years ago in that crusade, that, that, that cup of coffee that I bought for that drunk there in the park had, had returned many times over because now that pastor was overseeing a network of churches and there were maybe uh, thousands and thousands of people in those churches, maybe 10 to 1,000 people in those churches just from a financial investment in somebody's life and in the lives of the people of that city. That's what God wants to do. He wants to, to help us use what we have to get other people into heaven. Jesus also teaches us in this parable today to remember that one day we will be given an account to God for our stewardship. He said in verses 1 and 2, there was a certain man who had a manager handling his affairs, and one day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, what's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you're about to be fired. One day we're going to be audited about how we've handled the finances and resources that the Lord has entrusted to us. We're going to have to give an account for how we used our time. We're going to have to give an account for how we used our monies. We're going to have to give an account for how we used our testimonies, how we used our gifts and talents and abilities. We're going to have to give an account for that. And then Jesus teaches us in this parable to daily remember that one day, that if we're faithful with little, God can trust us with more. He said in verse 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. If I'm faithful with a little, 
God's going to bless me with a lot more. That's what verse 10 says. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be tested, trusted with much. And of course, whoever is dishonest with little will be dishonest with much. God's going to only bless us with more if he discovers that we can handle the little that he's given us right now. So let me ask you, are you using your money in such a way that God says, I want to give him more. I want to give her more. Are you, are you using your talents so that God says, I want to bless them with more? Are you using your influence so that God says, I want to bless them with more? Are you using your time so that God says, I want to bless you with more? Are you using your time, money so that God can say, I want to bless you with more? If we use our talents, our time, our influence and resources well, God will give us more of those blessings so we can help even more people in the future. That's why Jesus said to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance in their lives. Now, as your pastor, I want you to have that abundance in your life. I want you to experience God's best in every area of your life, in your finances, in your health, in your relationships, in your circumstances. But you've got to use what you've been given for the glory of God and for the good of others, like Jesus taught in this parable. You see, faithfulness in little ways produces fruitfulness in big ways in our lives. Now, some of you think when I'm big, when I'm financially well off, I'll be generous. When I make it big, I'm going to start tithing. No, you won't. you got to start tithing when you're poor. That's how you get out of poverty. You start managing well what God has given you, then God will bless you with more. I tell you, I've seen that happen in every area of my life. The more that I give my time to the Lord, He blesses me with more. The more I give my talents to the Lord, He blesses me with more. The more I give my money to the Lord, He blesses with me with even more. Now, I grew up in a I didn't grow up with poverty, but my mother's family uh, was characterized by poverty. My grandfather was a town drunk in the little town that we grew up in. In fact, my grandparents never had indoor plumbing. They had never had an indoor bathroom until I was in my late teens in my life. That's how poverty-stricken they were. But when I became a Christian, I didn't want to really start giving to the work of the Lord. I didn't even know how to do that. I know how to manage my money. Thank God the Lord brought Vicky, my wife, into my life, and she helped, was a good manager of money, helped me begin to manage my money. She helped us also to really start tithing, giving to the work of the Lord. And let me just tell you how God's done that. God is taking care of our needs in every way. We've never had an exorbitant salary, but he's taking care of our needs. He's enabled us to pay off all our indebtedness. He's enabled us to travel to over 36 countries around the world, preaching the gospel and sharing the good news about Jesus. He's enabled us to have thousands and thousands of friends and good health, even in the midst of crisis times like we're going through right now. And here's what I want you to know. I've often wondered, God, why have you blessed me so much? I came from nothing. I had nothing. Why have you blessed me with so much? I didn't know the answer for a long time, but here's why. God knew he could trust me with money money. He knew he could trust me not to throw away money, not to waste money, not to frivolously spend money on myself, to, to utilize the money he blessed me with, to bless other people, to help other people, to take care of other people. And here's what I've discovered. Faithfulness in little ways produces fruitfulness in big ways in our lives. I want God's blessing in your life in that sort of way. But you've got to learn how to do things God's way even when it comes to your finances. Remember this verse, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Today, Jesus himself wants to change the way that you think about money. Don't waste it, don't trust in it, don't live for it, don't expect to get satisfaction for it. But he says, put your focus on helping others 
investing in the kingdom of God, managing well the little he's given you. And if you'll do that, he'll bless you with more, 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 more finances, more talents, more opportunities, more abilities, more influence, more relationships, more. If we're faithful with a few things, he'll bless us with many things in the days to come. So I want you to bow with me for prayer. And as you do, I want to ask you, let, let's do a little personal evaluation in your life. Let me ask you this, does God really have first place in your life? Or is something else or someone else first place in your life? Can, can God trust you with what he's allowed you to have? Are you managing your money well, your opportunities well, your resources well, your life well, your health well? There's a way that you're using your money. Show God that you can be trusted with more. Will anybody be in heaven because of the faithfulness and generosity that you've demonstrated? In fact, why don't you just say this prayer with me? Pray, dear God, I don't want to waste money. Say that in your mind. God, I don't want to waste money. I don't want to waste your money. I don't want to love money. I don't want to live for money. I don't want to trust the money for my security. And I don't want to expect for money to satisfy and meet the needs in my life that only you can meet in my life. From this day forward, help me to remember, every day, everything I have belongs to you. Everything I have is on loan from you. And Lord, I want to do with the money you've entrusted me. I want, to, I want to trust you for that, not my bank account. I want to look at the way, I want you to look at the way I'm living my life and the way I'm handling the money you've entrusted to me. And I want you to know, God, you can trust me with greater responsibility in the future. Help me remember that money's just a tool. It's just a tool to be used for good and not for bad. Help me to do what this manager did right. Help me to look ahead. Help me to make a plan. Help me to act quickly and not procrastinate. Lord, help me to store up treasure in heaven by utilizing much of what you've given to me to meet the needs of others, to share the good news of Christ with others, to support missionaries and ministries all around the world. God, I want to give you my heart today. Jesus Christ, I don't understand it all, but as much as I know, I ask you to come into my life. I want a relationship with you. I want you to be first and foremost in my life. I don't want to just have a religion. I want to have a relationship with you so I can learn to get to, I can get to know you and love you and serve you and live for you and so I can experience your very best in my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. If you were encouraged by today's message, make sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Again, thanks for listening to the Celebration Church Podcast.